Um, this morning, uh, we are on week nine. If you've been part of the journey of Family Church uh, for any length of time, this may be your first time with us. Welcome, if you are here for the very first time. We do have a little card here that we would love you to fill in. It's a little welcome card, some information on the back. Um, it's your first Sunday. Please feel free to fill that in. And then give it to one of the team wearing We Are Family black T-shirts. Um, and that way we can get you on our database and connect with you. Um, and help you in your journey, which would be wonderful. But for the last nine weeks, we've been teaching on prayer. Um, Genuinely, uh, and I know this may not affect everybody in the room, but genuinely, have you heard something? No, do I really want to ask this question? Have you heard something? Let's not put your hand up. Just just smile, maybe. (laughs) If you've received something, heard something over the last nine weeks that's really impacted you or your prayer life, Um, I'm not going to ask for a response because that could be absolutely awful. I would feel so deflated if no one responded. (laughs) I'd find it really difficult to share the message this morning. So um, the fact that you're smiling, I've got you smiling at least. Um, Hopefully you've received something that's encouraged you, impacted you, or just stirred you to pray in this season. But not just in this season. We just want this to be a lifestyle change in your life because Jesus very clearly said that his house... The church will be a house of prayer. This is our new norm. This is our new factory setting. Um, We are a church who will be praying and continuing to pray um, and do prayer meetings, prayer events, prayer all night prayer, 24-hour monthly prayer, whatever, however strong we get in the area of prayer. At the moment, I don't think anyone's got past 1 o'clock in the morning um, signing up for the prayer uh, 24 hours, so it could be that I'm praying from 2 in the morning till 5, because I think someone said they'd do 5 till 6. Um, so any volunteers for the night hours, um, if, especially if you're a night worker, that's easy for you. You can pray and work at the same time, um, and then it just saved me from having a long night. Um, that would be wonderful. Jesus also, in the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 42 when, the, um, when uh, who was speaking, Peter was speaking to the church that has just formed. He said that the, the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer would be the four f- foundational pillars of the church. And when you look at that, that is very much who we are, what we do. We love the fellowship, like uh, Pastor Gerwin said. We, we love to gather together around food and connect with each other in our connect groups and you know, I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I've, I think I've seen eight, ten people sign up for the, the Connect group here going through the Christmas um, story. Um, how many? Yes, uh, <laughs> ten. If you would like to join that Connect group and come along on a Tuesday evening, feel free to do so. It's going to be a fun one um, and, and an enjoyable one as we build up to Christmas. But very much prayer was what Jesus did, it's what he demonstrated, and it's what he expects his church to do. Over and over again, you'll see moments when Jesus withdrew to a quiet place or to a wilderness place in his life where he would pray, spend time with the Father, hear, get wisdom, get direction for the day that was ahead, and then he would go off into his day and do things. I think it's really important that we are a people of prayer. Not, not just say, well, I believe in prayer, or we come along to a prayer meeting, but there is lifestyle prayer in every one of us, whether that's the closet, uh, as in the 
I always have to qualify, don't I? The closet, which is a room that you go into, a place where you separate off for you, where you can pray, not the wardrobe where all your clothes are, as some people think whenever we say that. So it's, it's really important that we find these moments in our life daily to pray. And this morning, we're looking specifically about praying for others. And I think it's really important that as we look around the room and we see people that we know, we see people that we don't know so well, it's really important that we understand how important and how powerful our prayers are in the life of those that are in this room. We were praying here at the beginning of the day for those in our community around the surrounding venue of this place, that their lives will be impacted. Are we just wasting our breath or does God hear? I believe, and I know many of us, or most of us in the room, we believe that God hears and he answers. And as we pray for our community and as we pray for one another as the church community, there is something that's so powerful that happens in a realm that we cannot see. But there's something happening in that realm that is changing lives, changing circumstances, bringing the manifestation of the power of God to, to bear on the earth. Uh, we were praying for Yvette um, not so long ago. Um, she was believing for um, her life. There was a situation uh, where she needed some paperwork sorted and signed and, and dealt with. And, and there were some mistakes that she had made on the, on the forms and, and she'd sent it in and thought, well, I'm just going to get it in there. And then she said, Lord, help. <laughs> in fact, she said, Pastor Jeff, can you pray as well? And, and praying for one another and praying into that situation. We saw that turn around. We saw the manifestation and everything had worked out well. And we praised the Lord for that. Why was that? Was it because I prayed some miraculous prayer? No. Was it because Yvette prayed some miraculous prayer? No. It's because God hears the simplicity of our heart when we cry out to him and say, Lord, help. We've made some mistakes in the paperwork. We've made some mistakes along the way. I shouldn't have done that or I could have done better in that. But Lord, help me in this. And do you know what? God hears, he moves, and he answers prayer. So praying for others is vitally important. There was a moment during the Second World War where the King George, King George VI called for a moment of prayer. And Lyndon, have you got that clip? Thank you. Not sure if that was one minute. No. The Empire responds to the King's call. And at Westminster Abbey, heart of the Empire, the statesmen, the soldiers, the ambassadors, and hundreds of ordinary men and women join the mighty congregation. Her Majesty Queen Wilhelmina of the Netherlands arrives a few moments before their majesties. No one here today could foresee the grave news that has come from Belgium. All the more, it is well for us to show the world that we still believe in divine guidance, in the laws of Christianity. May we find inspiration and faith from this solemn day. Short clip. But what a moment when the king of our nation says, as a nation, we're going to pray. It was a moment of Dunkirk. It was a moment when there were 360,000 British and, and Commonwealth troops stuck on a beach. They were expecting 20 to 30,000 soldiers to survive that moment. In the end, 300,000 men were removed from the beach. And they called it 
the miracle of Dunkirk. Why? Because a nation came together to pray. To pray for those they didn't know. To pray for servicemen and women and people who were out on the field, whether in the air, on the boats, or on the land. To pray and not give up. I tell you what, if there was a war that broke out in our nation today, how different would this picture be? Cues of people wanting to get into church so that they could pray. What would happen in our nation today? In the woke, liberal, lefty world that we live in. I, I may trip on some toes there. But we live in a nation that is weak, that is deprived of God, the knowledge of God. And we need God back in our nation. We do so. We need God back in our schools. We need God back in our homes. Where God is the center. Where the church is the hub of the community. I tell you, we're so lacking as a nation. I wonder. I thank God that we're not at war. I thank God that we're not in a moment like that. But I wonder what would happen if we were. There has got to be a spirit that lives, that rises up from the inside and said, this is our day. And this is our hour to pray for our sons and our daughters. This is our moment to pray for our community and to pray for those who are beyond it. It is our moment to pray and to leave a legacy. When I, when I think of those who are much older than me, I'm thinking of a particular guy called Reg Plowman who went, he's still alive, he's 90, I think he's 98 now. He prayed for me. He spoke into my life as a young man. He would have been, I guess he would have been at the time, he would have been 40, 50, probably my age. And yet I thought he was ancient. It's like, that's me now. And he spoke into my life as a young teenager and said, God's got better for you than what you see right now. He left, he's, he's leaving a legacy of me as a pastor. What legacy can we leave in the lives of our young people as we speak into their lives? Not the kids, not the kids church workers, but all of us. When we see our young people in church, let's build them up. Let's encourage them. This, this is a difficult place to come for any young person. It was bad enough when I was a kid going to church. But for the kids of our generation today, this is a hard place to come. Let's build them up. Let's encourage them. Let us be a voice of hope into their lives as we share our love towards them. Praying for others is such an important part of our journey. Such an important part of Jesus' life was to pray for others. He didn't pray that they would be healed. Nowhere in the Bible does it record that Jesus prayed for anyone to be healed. He just healed them. <laughs> I love it. He just went up and he laid hands, made spittle mud and flung it in their eyes. He did all those kind of strange, peculiar, but he didn't pray for them to be healed. But he did pray for us. And I love the fact that the Bible records one of the most amazing prayers in the Bible that Jesus ever prayed. And no, it's not the Lord's Prayer. 
but it is the high priestly prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17. And I just love John chapter 17. It's full of power. And we're just going to break it down into three different parts. John 17 verse 6 and 7 says this, I have manifested your name to the men you have given me out of this world. Come on, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we've been called out of this world. We don't, we, we're in it, but we're, we've been called out, just as these men were called out. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known all things which you have given me are from you. Jesus is praying for those that are around about him. He carries on to pray in John 17, verse 9 and 10. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me. For they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Jesus is praying, you know, the Peter, the James, the John, the Theodos, and he he was just, just laying hold of them, praying over them, and just releasing the power of God over their life. Why? Because they were the church. He was releasing into them the commission to build the church, to be the the apostles, not just the disciples, but the apostles of the church. Those that would go out and just build his house and eventually give their life for him. But he carries on, just a few more verses, in John 17, verse 20 and 21. It says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Come on, if that's you, shove your hand up. He's praying, Jesus here, he's praying for us. Oh, wouldn't it be nice if the pastor came and prayed? No, Jesus has is prayed for you. He's already prayed this incredible prayer over your life. He said, I do not pray for these alone, but for all those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Do you know what I see there? One of the most important things or the most important thing that Jesus is praying for those who yet will believe is unity that they may be one as we are one. Uh, that's why do we do fellowship meals? Why do we do put on things? Why do we try and get you in connect groups? So that you feel a part, that you feel connected, that you feel a part of the family of God. And it's so important that we do. Jesus is praying for that kind of unity, oneness, that we would know him the way in which he would want us to know Before Jesus went to the cross, this was on the night before his arrest and then his crucifixion. I guess it's the most important thing that Jesus could have done. He said, I'm praying for you. Yeah, put your name there. I'm praying for you, Jerry, Jesus is saying. You're going to one, one day you're going to believe. I don't know you right now, or you don't know him at that point, a few thousand years, few thousand years later. But he knew you. Dave, you were on his mind when he prayed that prayer. Alison, you were on his mind when he prayed that prayer. It's just unbelievable that Jesus was praying for us. That's an incredible moment that we can take a hold of and say, Jesus prays for me. But you know what? There is still intercessory prayer going for you and me continually. There are 
There are two, at least two. There are probably others that are praying for you. We as your pastors, we pray for us as a congregation. We name individuals by name and we just pray over your circumstances and into your life. But we have two that pray for us as intercessors before we wake and after we've gone to sleep. They're interceding for us daily. Listen to these two scriptures. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. When we're praying and we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit begins to pray through us with those groanings. Wonderful. Verse 27, it says, now he who searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit. Uh, knows the mind of the Spirit is because he makes because he makes intercession, intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit is interceding for you. The Holy Spirit interceding in your workplace. He's interceding in your family life. He's praying for you. He's praying for your children that are lost. He's praying over your life so that you would have the strength to continue, that you would have the wisdom and the direction, you would have that peace in the midst of turmoil. The Holy Spirit is praying and interceding on your behalf. I think that's just amazing. That gives me a whole sense of strength on the inside, knowing the Holy Spirit is praying the perfect prayer over my life, in the journey of my life. But it, it goes, not, not that it can get any better, but it's equally as good in Romans 8, 32 and 34. It says, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercessions for us. For us. The Holy Spirit is interceding and Jesus is standing by the right hand of the Father, pleading your case. Are oh, that good people? Oh, that Barbara, she just, she's involved in everything. She's a good lady. And so Steve. Not a good lady, Steve's a good guy. <laughs> but he, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father saying, hey, you... you Father, look what they're doing. Look at their heart. Look at their worship. Look at, the, the, look at them. And sometimes when we blow it, he's saying, look at me. I covered them in the blood. They're washed. They're clean. They're cleansed. Because the Father can't punish us because the Father looks at Christ because we're in Christ Jesus. And he covered us in his blood and washed us clean and separated us from the filth of this world and the rubbish of this world. And we can stand before him righteous, not in our own, but in his. I, 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 we have a righteous judge who's gone before us and saying, God, <laughs> you punish me. I took their penalty. I took their shame. I took their guilt. I took their failure. I took it so that they could walk in the freedom that I have come to give. I tell you, it's amazing. And Jesus is ever before the Father. See, the Father has to live with justice. The wages of sin is death. But Jesus stands here and says, I died. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? 
done it all. So long before we wake up, we have two that intercede for us. And long after we've gone to bed, he still intercedes, or they still intercede on our behalf. Trying to remember a song. I can't remember the, can't remember the words. I don't have to fear tomorrow. Because he lives. Because he lives. Keep it going. He lives. He is God. Because he I to intercede on our behalf standing in the gap and he's called you and I to stand in the gap so that our friends who don't know him yet our sons and our daughters that don't know him yet we can stand in the gap and say father you sent your son and if he be lifted up, you said all men will be drawn to you. It's not your will that any should perish, but all should come to a knowledge of the truth. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. So, Father, we lift them before you. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would draw them and that you would be there for them, that you would open doors, that you would bring people across their path, that you would have your way. And the enemy would not have his way. Breaking down. And we stand in the gap between heaven and earth. Between the presence of God and whatever may be going on in their world. We stand in the gap. And we say the, to the works of the enemy, thus far and no further. And the power of God move in might and power. And we stand there. Knowing our position in God. No weapon fashioned against us shall prosper. We stand in faith, knowing that God can do and will do all things. And he's called us to be able to stand in that position as an intercessor and say, I can do all things through Christ the Anointed One and his anointing flowing through me in Christ Jesus. The power of prayer. I read this quote in the week. It says, the greatest gift we can give each other is to pray for one another. The greatest gift, Charlie, you can give to me is to pray for me. The greatest gift that I can give to you, Jody, is to pray for you and stand alongside you. The greatest gift, Patrick, you can give to Darren is to pray for him. Marius, the greatest gift you can give to Lyndon is to pray for him. Loretta, the greatest gift you can give to Lola is to pray for her. Pat, your greatest gift is to pray for Barbara. What a church this would be. I tell you, when we become personal in prayer, 
we become connected in the spiritual realm. When we begin to say, I don't know how to pray or what to pray, but just what can I pray for best for you in your journey and in your life? How can I pray so that I can pray effectively? And we begin to be honest with each other and say, this is where my struggle is. This is where my problems are. This is what my situation is here. And we begin to become honest and open like a New Testament church. In the New Testament church, they walked with that integrity and honesty and openness and transparency. And nothing was hid. And they prayed for one another. They stood with one another. They journeyed together as a church. And they were strong in persecution. They were strong when they were down. They were strong when they had lack. And they were strong together in the journey together. Come on, this is our time. This is our generation. You may be at the other end of the age of this generation. You may be at the other end, the younger end. But this is still our generation as church. That we can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That we can see the God of great exploits manifest power in the house of the Lord and see things happen because the preaching of the word is followed by the signs and the wonders and the miracles as God. Come on, this is our turn. I don't want to just look back at the New Testament church and say, wow, what an incredible church that would have been to be a part of. I want, the, I want that church that are in heaven, the great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us who are cheering us on. They're cheering us on, not just to endure this life. Yeah, I believe they're cheering us on saying, oh, you wait until you see that, that, that the dead rise. You wait until you see your neighbor walking through the church. You wait until you see your employer change around in their mindset and then empower you to live and to preach the gospel in, in your workplace. Why not? This is our hour. This is our time. It's easy to pray for, in some senses, it's easier to pray for one another or to pray for our family, to pray for our loved ones. But we're also called to pray for our prime minister and our opposition leader. That they would have wisdom for the nation, that they would rule and reign in this life in a God-fearing way. We also have the right to look at what they're teaching and suggesting that they're going to bring as policies and say, thus far and no further. Because... Because depending on who you vote for, you will have to get people's, these, you are a they or a them or a that or a, a pronouns. Thank you. I, have no, I didn't learn them at school. I still don't know them now and I'm going to get myself in a heap of trouble. <laughs> depending on who you vote for in the next election will determine whether we've got to address people by their pronoun. I don't want to get political. But you have a right to go before God and say, who do you want me to vote for? Who do you want me to lead this nation? Who's the most godly in what we've got? Because we may not have much to go by, but we pray for them. And we pray that they have a God encounter. We pray that they pass godly rules and wisdom in our nation. We've got to pray for our king. And his family, all those that rule over us as a nation. We've got to pray for Jerusalem. 
The Bible instructs us. You know, there's no clearer instruction in the Bible. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for Israel in our journey right now. Let's not forget them. It's in our minds. It's there. You're meant to pray for your pastor and your leaders. Thank you. <laughs> Why, they need it or we, you do? <laughs> pray for one another. But we also need to pray for our enemies. And that enemy may, sometimes you may feel that the husband or your wife is your enemy. They're not because you're meant to be on the same side. But you may feel that at times. You may feel it's the little ones or the bigger ones in your life as children and family are your enemies. But they're not. As for me and my house... We will serve the Lord, and you're on the same team. It just sometimes is difficult being on the same family team and pulling in the same direction. But pray for one another. It's so important. I'm going to finish with one particular scripture that I believe really demonstrates, for me, the power of intercession. How important it is for you as an individual and us collectively as the church to be a people who intercede on behalf of others and to bring our prayer requests. You know, from what I can gather, we may have had one prayer request this morning. I've got a pile like that, or I did have a pile like that, that's now with Claire, and we're collating that together. Claire is collating it all together. <laughs> we, I gave it to Claire to collate together. Uh, for our 24-hour prayer, so that when we pray, you have direction of how to pray for one another and what situations to pray for and pray into. And I think it's really important to pray with, with knowledge, but also to pray with the Spirit as we pray for these things. And as we do the 24-hour prayer, one-hour slot um, for you as an individual, this is us standing in the gap. And, and I just want to share this because I believe it's the greatest intercession moment recorded in the Bible. And it's in Genesis chapter 18. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Now, you need to know something about the covenant. If you don't know anything about the covenant, that means nothing to you. It just means, oh, God's saying, well, should we just hide this from Abraham? If you know, have an understanding with the covenant, Abraham... Well, God made covenant with Abraham. He changed his name. He, uh, they, they, they made a uh, blood sacrifice as was traditional in those days. And God cut covenant with Abraham. And there, now, God can't do things without bringing it to Abraham. Because <laughs> they're in this relationship. It's so powerful that it can't be broken. It's so powerful that it holds true. And God's saying, shall I hide this from Abraham? But he knows he can't. Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and the, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children. How important it is that as parents were commanding and showing our children and his household after him, that they keep the ways of the Lord and do what is righteous and justice and just. Uh, the, the Lord may bring Abraham uh, what he has spoken to him. Then he carries on in Genesis 18, verse 23. So God did share it with Abraham. He couldn't withhold himself. And in verse 23, it says, And Abraham came near and said, 
Would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Now, to me, this is talk, we're talking about God, the God of all heaven and earth, the God of all creation, the God who could snuff a man out with a flick of his fingers. But there is something about Abraham now that there's a boldness in his life. There's something about Abraham, God's man on the earth, where he says, God, I'm approaching you about something here that you have said that you're going to do. Do you know what? You're in that same position. You've been given the same authority, the same relationship. You have been brought into covenant relationship, not through what you've done, but through what Jesus did for you. Again, it's you being in Christ. And if you know that you're in Christ, you can have the same kind of authority that Abraham had here. And Abraham, said, Abraham came near and said, Would you destroy the righteous and the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not, and, and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from me... Uh, f- sorry, far be it from you to do such a thing as this. Slay the righteous and the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall you not judge all the earth and do right? So the Lord said, If I find fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Interesting. So he gets to this place, okay, 50, he's, he's, he's thought, right, I, I'm going to start at a reasonably low number. If there are 50 in the whole city, would you kill the righteous and the unrighteous together? I think this is just an intercession moment between heaven and earth. I don't think Abraham particularly liked Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't think he had any real good relationship with them, but he he saw that there may be innocent in that place. There may be some righteous. Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed, now I am but dust and ashes, and I've taken it upon myself to speak to you, Lord. Suppose there were five less than the 50 righteous. Would you destroy all of the city for a lack of five? So he said, If I find 45 I will not destroy it. What, what, is, what is Abraham doing? He's being exceedingly bold. <laughs> and he's going before God. He's interceding between God and the earth, Sodom and Gomorrah as a nation, as a city. And he's saying, I'm sure there must be 50 righteous. Maybe there's only 45 righteous. Let's, let's just hedge my bets on 45. There's got to be 40. And he's saying, God, would you destroy them? He's interceding. He's saying, God, you've got to do something here. You've got to change hearts. And then he goes on. And he spoke to him yet again and said, suppose there should only be 40 found there. So he said, I will not destroy it for 40. Then he said, "Let let, let the Lord not be angry and I will speak. Suppose 30 should be found. So he said, I will not destroy it if I find 30 there. Then he said, indeed, now I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 should be found there. So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of the 20. 
Then he said, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak but once more. Suppose ten be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of the ten. It just shows to me the power of prayer. As we stand in the presence of God and we say, Lord, would you move in this situation? Right now, in Gaza, Lord, if there's ten righteous in Gaza, would you spare that place for the ten? Are there ten righteous? I don't know. Would you spare my workplace? Lord, it's going under. They've lost contracts. I'm working there. Would you spare that place for one? Do you know what? I believe God would spare it for you because you are righteous in that place. Because God wants to hear your heart and the power of prayer from your life. I believe these verses demonstrate the power of intercession. Standing in the gap between heaven and earth. But you know what? There's one thing that can stand in our way. And it could have been the same thing that stood in Abraham's way as he whittled down these numbers. And that was time. Time. Oh, it's hard work. Just keep on praying the same thing. I'm not seeing any change. I'm not seeing any movement. It's been years since I've seen a change. I think of Pastor Stu's mum, Diane. Diane prayed for 18 years for Don to be saved. 18 years later, Don got saved. And there is the most wonderful, human, most humble person. Such a God-loving man who just has given his life to serve the king and the kingdom. But it took 18 years. But she stood in the gap, day after day, day after day, that he will be saved. Don't get weary in well-doing, for you will reap if you faint not. Just keep on, keep on keeping on, keep on keeping on, because God hears the first prayer. But there may be some things that need to come in line before that first prayer is answered. And it's you that just keeps on. I'm not going to give up. You know, it's like the woman who, who, who wanted some bread and went to a, fr- a friend's house and started, come on, give me some bread. I've got people who have turned up at my door. And she turned over and pulled over the covers and said, oh, forget it. I'm not going to come down. It's late in the middle of the night. I'll disturb the children. Do you know what? Oh, it's you. Oh, go away. It's late. It's the middle of the night. For her continual knocking, I will get up and I will answer the door and give her what she needs. You imagine if you're constantly knocking, but you grow weary in well-doing. And you think, well, it's just not working. All it needed was one more knock. One more knock. Don't get weary in well-doing. 
If you need to wake up someone, just keep praying. I'll tell you, one of the things that Jane does on a regular basis, and, and, and I've, we do it in different situations, when we witness to someone and we've prayed for them or we walk away and we begin to pray, the thing that we pray is, Lord, you know who they are. You know their life. You know what's going on in their world. The words that we've just shared continually bring back to their remembrance. Don't let them sleep or wake them in the night. Whatever it needs, just keep bringing back that you love them, that you care for them, that you want a relationship with them. Keep, keep it coming back, Lord. You know, there's prayers that we prayed or people that we've spoken to five, ten years ago. And we still bring them before the Father. They may, be, they may be saved now. But we keep knocking. Don't get weary in well-doing. For you will reap if you faint not. My last scripture is this. Revelation chapter 8 verse 4. This is your prayers. All right? This is your prayers. The prayers that you prayed last night. The prayers that you play, prayed last month, last year. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascend before God from the angel's hand. I think it's just a beautiful way of describing. When we pray, they arise before God like incense. The prayers of the saints are gathered in a bowl and they ascend before God through the angel's hand. When you pray, they don't just hit the ceiling. They don't just have empty words that just you know, bless other people. The prayers that you pray, captured by the angel, and then ascend before the Father in heaven. What a beautiful picture. Those prayers that you've prayed for years and years, just kept before the Father. Your loved one. Just cup it right now in your hand. That person. That person you're praying for. That need that you have. Just pop it in a cup. Cup it in your hand. Come on. Play ball with me. You must be praying for someone. If you're not, I'll give you a few names that I'd like to be praying for, if that's all right. If you've not got anyone that you're praying for, then please pray. Cup your name. Cup that situation. Close your eyes. Let's just pray quietly in your own heart right now. Right now, just lift your hands before the Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You heard every one of those prayers. 
I thank you, Father, that you hear every one of them right now. That the sound of heaven is of the prayers of the saints. Father, I pray that you'd move right now in every situation again. Lord, move in hearts and lives. Bring healing to the sick. Bring salvation to the lost. Bring restoration to those that are at distance. Holy Spirit, give wisdom to those that need it. Right across this room, Father, that financial needs, I pray that you would meet them according to your riches in glory. Father, I thank you. You hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. just want to pray one last prayer I, I, I can't sometimes I have to sometimes I feel need to but I just want to pray for anyone that may be here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you may have prayed and you may have said God I want you to feel I want you to be real to me but you've not you don't know that you're saved I'm going to pray a very simple prayer I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me and then afterwards, I'm going to just count to three. I'm going to ask you to respond. Just by popping up your hand, popping it back down. So let's pray this together this morning. Jesus, I come to you, the one who died upon the cross, for me, that I could have a relationship with the Father. And I thank you today. You took my sin my wrong, and my failures. And today, you give me new life. Jesus, come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, every head is bowed, every eye closed in this room. You may have prayed that prayer once before. You may have prayed it many times before. But today, it's real. You may never have prayed it before. I'm just going to count to three. And if you prayed that and you want Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you to pop up your hand. One, two, three. If that's you, just pop up your hand. Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. Is there anybody else that would join these two people this morning, these two ladies? Is there anybody else in this room? I'm going to count down from five if that's you. Just pop up your hand. Five, four, three, two, one. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for the heartfelt response of these people. Father, I pray right now that you would fill them with the power of the Holy Spirit and the overwhelming sense of your love upon their life. Lord, your forgiveness, your cleansing, your freedom, and that new beginning, that new birth. Father, I pray that they would just experience it all in Jesus' name. Amen.